Good evening and welcome to the HHH Racing Podcast, episode 120. I'm your host, Howard Kravitz. Thanks for joining us tonight for a fantastic show talking about Kentucky Derby preps and a huge day this Saturday at Oaklawn with two grade threes with my friend and yours, Matt Bernier. Before we do that, you guys know the drill. Make sure you subscribe right there on the bottom right-hand side of the screen. Hit that notification bell so you know when new content will arise. Smash that thumbs up button. It'll tell YouTube this is a great show and people should watch it. Of course, on my name tag there, you can follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle continues to grow, at hkravitz. And on the scroll on the bottom, you can email me, hkravitzhorse at gmail.com. Very quick, a few items. As you can see on the scroll, the next live broadcast, do I have, a show, do I have stuff planned for you guys next week? We're going next Wednesday. Chad Shexnader, great guy down in New Orleans. He was on last time. He was popular. A lot of people wanted him back. We're in, he's going to be on Wednesday night, folks. Next Wednesday night, regularly scheduled time, 8 p.m. Eastern. We're going to chop up Louisiana Derby Day. It's going to be a fantastic card. That's going to be next Wednesday, as you can see on the bottom of the screen. However, not only excited about that, I am really, and our guest doesn't even know this either, really excited about what's happening for the first time ever on this show, we are going to be live as races occur next Saturday morning, not next Saturday, but a week from Saturday morning, that's March 26th, we're going to be live 9.15 Eastern with my friend and yours, Davey Lane, fantastic handicapper from the UK, he's given us great picks, not only Davey Lane, but a good friend of his, and a guy that Davey says is even a better handicapper than he is, Philip Edwards. Two fantastic punters from the UK. We're going to be on live as the races go on in Dubai, Saturday morning, March 26th. You do not want to miss this show. There's a lot of great United States-based horses running. We're going to give you tips, suggestions, talk about the races before and after. You are not going to want to miss it. Mark your calendars. March 26th, the week from this Saturday, 9.15 Eastern, we'll be live talking about the Dubai uh, World Cup card with my good friends Davy Lane and Philip Edwards. They will be live from the UK. Uh, you guys know about the promotions. I don't want to take too long because I want to get our guest on here. Look below the video player. Click that show more button. We've got promotions for Bets US, my race day blog, the podcast pool. Again, if you're new to the show, please make sure you check out below the video player and comment down below the video player. And finally, for being on our guest, please make sure you join the live chat in the top right-hand side of the screen. Look, we all know NCAA tournament games are going on, like I said on Twitter. Turn that volume down, just mute the game, turn the volume up here, and listen to Matt and I chop up a bunch of different topics. We already have a lot of people join the show, but please make sure you comment any questions for Matt Bernier, especially in the live chat. All right, I think that covers everything we want to get right to. Matt, he's been waiting patiently, so let's go to him right now. We all know Matt Premier does a great job with the Inland Money Media, NBC Sports, NBC Sports Edge. Um, you can find him all over the place. Let's bring him on from his palatial estate in an unknown location in the Northeast Woods where there is deer running around in the backyard, I believe. Matt Premier, Matt, how you doing tonight? How's it going, Howard? Yeah, we it's that time of year where the deer are starting to come back out, starting to warm up a little bit. And 
Typically, we've got a group of five, and now it looks like we've got a group of seven. I don't know if they were <laughs> fawns last year or they were just some stragglers that the group picked up, but got a pack of seven of them out back. Uh, maybe maybe they're, they smell some food or something. They're, they're joining in. Uh, not only are we seeing some deer, I don't know about you, for the first time, uh, today was 61 degrees here in Chicago. Yesterday was 65. I saw a flag stick in a golf course. Very exciting. So, uh, of course, it's going to be like 40s and raining uh, this weekend. But I don't know about you. Is the golf fever starting to catch on out there in the Northeast? Yeah, for sure. We're close. So tomorrow's going to be 60 degrees, the first 60-degree day. I shouldn't say that. There was one when I was over in the Middle East, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, we've still got some cold stuff, though. Next week looks like low 40s. I yeah. think there's one local course that's going to try to open up their front nine next week, which would be nice. I'm looking forward to trying to just get back out there. And I'm sure it's the same way in Chicago now. The There's early season spring golf and late season fall golf. And you're basically playing off of frozen ground. The ball bounces all over the place. You know, probably rolls out another 50 yards than it probably should. But uh, shortly thereafter is the big thaw. And it's just mud and it's wet and it's nasty for a good probably four weeks. And then you finally get some good stuff. So we won't really have great conditions until, I don't know, mid-May. Yeah, well, you probably carry a 280, so you don't need the rollout. I do not. I, 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 I promise you man, that. I need to get that 20, 30-yard roll that I won't get till what, like late May, early June or whatever. <laughs> but anyway. I, I can promise you I do not carry it that far. All right. Well, anyway, I know you're an active a golfer. Look forward. By the way, just really quick before we get into our topics, I just want to say this publicly, and Matt knows this already. I've said it before. I had a chance to, for the first time, actually sit down and have a beverage with Matt. Uh, we did that at Christine Lee's outside of Gulfstream on back of this day. Um, I, I met Matt for the first time in person um, at the Breeders' Cup, but really at Gulfstream, the Pegasus, I had a chance to actually finally sit down and, and have conversation. Matt was very just with his time. I just want to tell everyone out there, there are people you see on TV all over, you know, not only in entertainment, but news, et cetera, that are not genuine, that are not the people that you see. Matt is a great guy. He's very genuine. We talked about, actually, not a lot about horse racing. We talked a lot about life and other things. So, Matt, I just want to say publicly appreciate the the time that we had and our, our budding friendship and look forward to uh, the next time. Christine Lee is always a good spot there at Gulfstream. And the same goes to you. I appreciate the kind words. It was nice being able to finally sit down and talk. And Breeders' Cup, unfortunately, it was just you were playing in the contest. I was in the contest. The TV was going on. There was all sorts of different stuff. At least the day before Pegasus, we had a couple of minutes that we could sit down. It was almost an hour and a half or so. So it was yeah, nice it was to kind of nice to kind of be able to chop it up for a little bit. Speaking of, I'm not going to name the brand, but I'm enjoying uh, something from your neck of the woods. A nice, uh, a nice IPA with a green label. I'm sure you could oh, probably figure out what I, I'm talking about. I, I do. We, we've got some good IPAs here for sure. Actually, I had Joe Crucifix on. Big fan of IPAs. Joe is. So I actually lost a case of uh, some IPA to him on a bet. I can't recall what we bet. It was on a race. But anyway, I owe Joe Crucifix. If you ever listen to this, I haven't forgotten. I know I owe you some IPAs. Um, Anyway, yeah, it was a lot of fun, and uh, I, I sort of fanboyed you with the Breeders' Cup. I felt bad you were on live with Eddie, and I wanted to talk to you. I, I actually felt bad. I, was, I almost felt like I was bothering you that day. But anyway, well, many more times, my friend. Many more, many more drinks together and dinners and maybe golf and whatnot. All right, let's get We already have David. I showed his. Uh, Tom Tom is here. Tom's a great guy. Um, he's. I know he comments on your show uh, below the video player. Tom's a – I've met him in San Francisco uh wow on his bucket list matt to meet you that's pretty impressive uh, well tom, tom, you, get, tom you gotta sometime. set you gotta set the bar higher than that tom <laughs> uh b clark i'm not i'm not familiar with you b clark thanks for joining the show 
IPAs. I go, I'm not drinking. I'm going to, but Matt, feel free to (laughs) drink away on St. Patrick's Day. All right. We're going to talk about a few topics, guys. Let me take the banner off the screen. As Matt knows, I click a lot of buttons here. I don't have the great production people. Maybe I'll, maybe that'll happen at some point that uh, are involved in the money. Uh, Hold on. I take comments off the screen. Sorry about that, Matt. All right. Let's get to some topics, Matt. So very quickly, guys, we're going to go into some topics that Matt is pretty much aware of uh, for about, uh, let's say, 10, 15 minutes at the most. Matt will just chop it up really quick, and then we'll get into the handicapping in Oakland. And once Matt leaves the show, guys, stay on, because I'll be talking about my late pick five uh, um, caveman ticket that I want to present. So, Matt, let's talk about this first. (laughs) Uh, You're an excellent sports better. Everyone knows NBC Sports Edge. They can follow you. You, sir, have had some crazy last four or five days. Let's first talk about the good part. I'm watching the players and a gentleman named Kevin Kisner, who, if you're a casual sports fan, you might have heard of him. You don't know him that well, probably. Uh, he's a solid veteran golfer, and Matt does deep dives on his bets. What were you thinking, Matt? You, not only did you predict the crazy weather weekend, but this guy had a hell of a weekend finished. Ooh, was it fourth? I'm sorry. I think he finished fourth. Um, I'm sure you catched some tickets because you had some prop bets going. What were you thinking as Kevin Kisner was rocking it out? And then Sunday late got real interesting with sort of a birdie barrage and some others were sort of, you know, falling by the wayside. The the thing that, that will probably go unnoticed by anybody that wasn't focused on Kevin Kisner, which most people weren't, um, I think his best round of the four days was actually the day that he shot 74 in the wind because he would just, he shot two over, but the way that the conditions were presenting themselves for him to be able to hang around the way that he did when a lot of guys, I said it on uh, the NBC sports edge podcast last night. I mean, a lot of other guys, the big guys got blown out to sea. you know, Morikawa was, was nowhere. Kepka was nowhere. I'm naming just a handful of guys um, for him to kind of grind it out. And that was, there was a little bit of the logic from a handicapping standpoint that he's not, he's not blessed with the natural tools that, a Dustin Johnson or a Rory McIlroy or any of those those guys are. He doesn't hit it 315, 320 yards. Um, he's, he's just not exceptional at any one thing, but he's a proper grinder. He's going to go out there, put his nose down, and if it gets tough, he's going to thrive because some of these other guys that you know need things to be – I don't want to say need things to be, but really excel when conditions are ideal – um, that's not the case for him. You know, th- those guys could wilt a little bit. He's going to keep trudging on. And um, it was fun. I knew on, on, I guess, Monday, technically, it wasn't a likely outcome that he was going to be able to get up there, especially with the front nine, because he just wasn't making enough birdies. He was scrambling his brains out, but it was purely to get up and down to save par, you know, just these real grindy sort of scores. And when he wasn't making enough birdies, I knew it was unlikely. And then he did. He went on that tear uh, over the final four or five holes and, you started to see some weird stuff happen where Keegan Bradley pitches it out into the water. And then, you know, the the, the brain cramp of all brain cramps for uh, Cam Smith to do the exact same thing. When I, I figured it was genuinely going to be just pitch it into the fairway, get up and down. You get out of there with a bogey. So be it. He ended up getting out of there with a bogey. He just did it the hard way. He almost pulled the what, Jean Vondel or whatever that, from the British Open. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't, I, I'm watching. I'm like, I mean, I could do that. I could pitch it too far into the water. This guy's got the lead of the players and he – you know, hit it well, literally 15, 20 yards too far. Crazy. Um, anyway, so so that was a lot of fun. By the way, Justin Thomas said his best round he's ever had was the 
second round, which I guess went over a few days when he shot a 74. I mean, those I had a blast just watching them spray it all over the place. I don't know. Maybe I'm sort of masochist, but it's sort of there, there's a part that, that just enjoys watching them struggle because I guess it feels more like us. Um, then. So that was the good part. And I know there were some people on I know there were some people on Twitter that were happy about the, the, the catch on Kevin Kisner. So congratulations to that, Matt. And I've had my share of pretty good betting days lately, too. So I know how that feels. It's really exciting. Then, today in the NCAA tournament, literally perhaps the best shooting team in the entire tournament goes, what, 6 for 29, I think, from the three-point line. I looked it up. You're sort of long shot, dark horse pick to win it all. And the Iowa Hawkeyes and the Big Ten, here we go again, blew a gasket and loses to Richmond. Ouch. Yeah, and, and it's just, it was one of those things, too. And, and I, you know, I mean, obviously I was wrong. It is what it is. You're going to be right sometimes. You're going to be wrong sometimes. I just, under no circumstances, thought a team like that would go that cold. I mean, their bread and butter is shooting outside. And for them to shoot just under 21% from three, I mean, that that's stunning. And I said it to my wife when I got home. Um, I had to go out and pick up uh, a couple things out at the store. And I, I said, you know, a 12-5 upset, really, we all like to make a big deal out of 12-5s or 11-6s. They're really not that crazy. And when you think about it, a five or a six seed is effectively, what, somewhere between 20 and 24 as far as, you know, if you were ranking the teams one through 64. You know, we're not talking about the cream of the crop. And then conversely, the 11-12s, they're really, what, 44 through 48, roughly? I mean, it's not like there's a giant chasm between the ability levels of these teams. It's just Richmond needed Iowa to be as bad as they were from outside to just eke out the victory. I'm sure everyone involved with the Iowa Hawkeyes program is going to have many sleepless nights just because it feels like they just kind of, I don't want to say gift-wrapped it because that makes it sound like I'm not giving Richmond any credit. But boy, when you when you've got an instance like this where a team that shoots the ball as well as they do, they just can't can't buy a bucket. That's that's got to be a tough one for them to swallow. And look, as far as I'm concerned, hey, it is what it is. I'm looking at the scoreboard right now. We got a couple other big upsets brewing. You got New Mexico State up big on UConn right now. Uh, St. Yeah. Peter's and Kentucky are tied at halftime. They're tied. I'm looking at it right now too. You know, actually, I, mean, I got there's... a bet going. I got a bet going right now, Matt. That makes me very happy. I got a three-team parlay. Here, I, and I wish we could talk Lawrence tonight. I got, I'll, I'll tell everyone right now so people can criticize me later. I've got a three-team parlay, and I don't do sports betting or parlays that often, but I'm starting to get into a little more. I've got Vermont upsetting Arkansas, okay? okay. Murray State winning, just outright yep. winning. And St. Mary's covering the minus three. I'm getting eight to one on that. So uh, I think all those are, are possible. Right now, St. Mary's, by the way, up 11 and, and people are going to be listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor like on Saturday morning saying, we already know the score, Howard, you dummy, and Matt. We already know. I know, but we're live, folks, Thursday night here. So anyway, I, and I went to IU, and I'm betting against IU because they just played Tuesday night, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, we, we could talk, bro. NCAA is a lot of fun, though, Matt, isn't it? Despite what I think that, today for you. Well, and, I, and to be fair, I mean, so it was a, a future ticket that, you know, unfortunately doesn't work out. But let's be honest, most future tickets don't work out. So no. the good thing is we have all these other games that you can still get down on. I've got one more bet coming up later on tonight. I already cashed Michigan. I bet Michigan live at halftime money line. That, that was that was a, I mean, you you is a is a math individual can appreciate the idea of the regression to the mean 
for one team versus the other. And I mean, yeah. there's just no way that Michigan was going to shoot as poorly. And I shouldn't say they, they shot poorly overall. They actually shot quite Percy well. I said that about Iowa too. At halftime I know. Whatever, I know. Um, <laughs> anyway. So I ended up cashing that cash, the under on the Baylor game. And then tonight I've got over in San Francisco and Murray state. So um, got a couple more things and got a couple games lined up for tomorrow as well. But uh, again, it's the, it is what it is. You know, you take a yeah. shot. I wanted to go against one of the top four seeds. I thought Iowa was a live dog. And uh, they were just a dog. <laughs> <laughs> and that can happen. Follow, follow Matt on NBC Sports Edge and on Twitter. He's a fantastic sports better. You can learn all about him. Absolutely red, red hot earlier in college basketball. Tailed off a little bit, but now he's coming back. And I don't, I don't want to interrupt you. I, I was all over Morikawa for the Valspar. I don't know if what you can get for a number on him now. If you watched any of his round today, for him to shoot three under, I, I, I thought as far as he, he's concerned, I didn't think he played particularly well. And he's only four back. I, I think he has a tremendous amount of upside over the next three days. So I don't know what he's listed at. I got him at 14. Uh, he's probably somewhere right around there, maybe even a little bit farther back than that. But if anybody's looking to get down for the next few days on golf, okay, Morikawa, I think I think he's very live given the way he played today. Book it, folks. Morikawa to win the Valspar. All right. So, Matt, uh, we, I was going to ask you a little bit about Saudi. I'll tell you, we'll save that for another time because uh, we're, we're, it's already almost 720 here. So I want to talk – Kentucky Derby preps, but Matt, for the first time, went to Saudi. I thought your coverage out there was fantastic, by the way. Uh, we can talk about that. I'm sure that was a great experience. Here's what we're going to do, Matt. There are five main 100-point derby preps. I'm going to show each one on the screen. Literally 30 seconds, I'm going to give you. I'm going to list a few horses that are expected, expected to go in these races. You tell me who you like of the horses that you see on the screen and why. Literally 10, 15 seconds for each one. And again, what I did some research. We don't know exactly who's going, but you know, I've been reading. I, I things are are becoming more set. Are you right? These are just the five major Derby preps, uh, folks. There's, there's you put you're putting me on the spot. There, yeah. They, listen, <laughs> that's how I vote, Matt. You know, that's right. Uh, listen, there's the UA Derby guys. There's other there's other races. We're just talking about the major five races in the United States. Hundred point preps. Here we go. See in the bottom of the screen. Louisiana Derby. It looks like we got epicenter, Zozos, Rail, and Roll. I know who you like best. Just tell us why, though. I uh, <laughs> I, so what What am I missing? Who is Zozos? Way, am I way behind? Oh, no. Zozos is a very talented horse that just broke his maiden for Brad Cox, I believe. Oh, see, I, this is how far. I, I'm I'm deep into sports these days. I, I, I okay, don't even know who right, Zozo's is. We, we both love Epicenter, I know. Of, of those two, I mean, I, I got to be honest. From a gambling standpoint, I would bet rattle and roll over Epicenter because oh. part of me thinks that the pace is going to be much. He, I love Epicenter, but he needs to show that there is more of a dimension than what we've seen. His best runs have come when he's been on the lead. Given the way this thing is setting up, maybe not the Louisiana Derby, but overall, He's not going to get the lead in these other races. There's too much speed. Rattle and roll. I bet him in there. At, uh, you, he can't be anything less than what eight to one after that run in Florida. Yeah, he's coming back quick, which is three weeks. But I sort of like that move, and and the long stretch will help rattle and roll. But he's got to get a lot better. Uh, yep. Arkansas Derby. It looks like we got Secret Oath for the coach. We the people. A nice allowance source who I actually like a lot. Um, I believe Cox and Windstar, or maybe no, I don't think it's Pletch. I think it's Cox. It's, it's uh, Rudy Brissett. I'm sorry, Brissette, excuse me, but is Windstar, I know. I really yep. like this horse, by the way. Cyberknife, uh, any opinion on these three or uh, any of these three going forward? 
I haven't watched the tape on with the people, but when I was over in Saudi, uh, I, we were at a dinner and Florent Giroux was there and he said, keep an eye on this horse. He's pretty good. We, the people. Yeah. And sure enough, I think it was a couple of weeks later, he came back and he won that race, uh, low 90 by or something like that. I, I'll be curious to see what he does. Honestly, I think secret oath has as good a chance as any in Arkansas. I just think it's a, a bad bunch of horses at this point. Why? I think it's, it's the perfectly reasonable move. I know a lot of people don't like the idea of Phillies against the boys. She fits in there just as well as any of the boys do. Absolutely. I do. I, I hope the coach follows through. He said he's going to the Preakness with Secret Oath. I think that's where she belongs. I just, I don't, I don't think she's going to have to beat the boys, but uh, it would be fascinating to see. <laughs> Obviously, Lucas can do that with uh, with a three-year-old Phil, that's for sure. All right, Florida Derby. Simplification, White of Barrio, in due time, charge it. Any of these four, who do you like best? Again, we don't know post positions, guys. Sure. We're just, we're just spitballing here a few weeks away. Who do you like most here? Uh, and, and not only that race, but maybe going forward, Matt. I know uh, the Pletcher connections have been high on charge for a long time. I've got to go back and watch the tape on the horse. I know he's relatively quick, um, but purely by default, I don't want any of the other three. So I would take charge it. I I love charge it. He's got to go two turns, Matt. He's only been, he's only gone a mile twice, broke his maiden last time. Very talented. Another horse with some speed. What we, I know you talked about on your show, by the way, if you guys are not watching that for your show, you got to watch it. He breaks down these derby preps fantastically. I agree with you, Matt. It looks like for the first time in years, we finally might have a pace that I won't say meltdown, but perhaps a, a mid-packer closer winning the Derby this year. Uh, Wood Memorial, Morello, Mo Donegal, early voting. I, I don't, I, I may be getting suckered into this. I, I really like early voting. I said it on my show all those weeks ago that I thought he was legitimate. Mo Donegal, I think he's better than what you saw in Florida. I think he'll appreciate getting back to New York. I may be getting suckered into Morello. I thought he was really, really good winning that last race, that one turn Gotham. I don't know if he can stretch out at face value. The pedigree suggests he should have no issue doing so. Um, I love his tactical ability. He continues to improve. Perfect three for three. I don't know. I'm, I'm getting more and more intrigued by Morello as, as each passing day goes by. Yeah, I, I of those three, I personally like Mo Donegal, but he has to prove it. Um, I just think he wants distance, and he's getting back to his best distance, in my opinion. What I think might be the best of the 100-point preps, the bluegrass, you got two horses that were in the Risen Star and have chosen to go to the Bluegrass. At least that's what it looks like right now. Zandon, Smile Happy, and the classic Causeway love out there, Matt. <laughs> I know you talked about the, time, the the speed difference with the buyer versus Craig Mulkowski on the time form. I don't understand the classic Causeway love personally, but I don't want to give my bias. You're the guest tonight. These three, who do you like the most right now? Well, a quick comment on Classic Causeway. I think he's a good horse. You know, he's just yeah. got a lot going against him, I think, from a dynamic standpoint. And depending on what you look at, he's got to run faster. Um, Zandon, I have no issue with him. I think Chad's going to do do right by him, put him in the position he thinks is best suited. Personally, I'm more and more feeling like if Smile Happy runs his best race, he's just better than everyone else. That includes the California horses, which we'll talk about. I thought his run down in Louisiana, first out of the box, a little bit of a questionable ride. For him to finish the way that he did, I thought it was very encouraging. I expect him to take a step forward. Uh, smile happy. I thought he was probably the best two-year-old. Uh, so far, I think there's a reasonable case to be made. He's still the best three-year-old. Yeah, he's really talented. I like Zandon a lot. I wish I bet him. We talk, I talked about him on my show. He was like 80-1 to 1 when he broke his maiden in pool one. I meant to bet him. I effed up and just completely forgot. Um, he's going to come from, but he's a closer, but it might set up well for him. He has a little bit to prove still also, but I really like his upside. Maybe later in the summer for like the Travers 
Uh, he might be better then. We'll just have to see for the, you know, for the for those bigger races, the Haskell down the road later in the summer. All right, last one really quick. I, I, I we don't know what's gonna have the Baffert. That's a whole other show. I don't even want to talk about the nonsense that's going on right now. But out of fairness to the connections and these horses, I'm assuming they're both gonna be lining up in the San Diego Derby. If you had to choose which one of the two right now that you like in that race or even in the Derby, let's just Let's just play. Let's just assume Messi's and go for the Derby just for argument of the conversation. What do you think? I, I want to see another race from Messier just to prove that that last one was legitimate. I think it may be a little bit um, phonied up as far as how fast it actually was given the racetrack. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, he has shown that he can pass horses. Forbidden Kingdom is not. And if Forbidden Kingdom has to deal with all the other pace early on that could potentially be in a race like the Derby, Messier could take advantage of that because he's not dependent on getting it. Um, I, I think Forbidden Kingdom has more, uh, not untapped potential, but potential. Uh, but perhaps dynamics, if we're thinking a race like the Kentucky Derby, could work to a horse like Messier's favor. Yeah, you know, it, I don't know how good Messier is. Sometimes San Anita, if there's any track in the country where you want a horse to stretch out and get a big number going two turns, you know, it, it's probably San Anita. Um, he, he lost a slowdown Andy and slowdown Andy did nothing in Louisiana. I know you can't always compare those things, but to me, I agree with you. Messier has got some stuff to prove. All right. Before we get into Oakland, just, I, we're getting a lot of questions and respectfully, those of you that are watching, thank you for watching. Uh, be, because of the time constraints tonight, we want to get to Oakland and there's a lot of things going on. If you have questions for Matt, hit him up on Twitter. He's a great follow. We, um, we can all, I can stretch to nine also. We, we can, we can buy a couple extra minutes. Okay, I don't, you know I yeah. want to be respectful of your time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I appreciate that. We got one. I'll I'll bring up one question. Uh, uh, my good friend uh, Jim Pilars. It's not really a question. He just mentioned. He also he was on my show last week uh, and mentioned this. And you've talked about it too. That you know since the point system began, you want to be up close to the lead. But that might be different this year. And there's not really a question there. But the question from Tom. Um, <laughs> boy, you want to talk about? I've had some great. Fantastic scores in live money contests, as a lot of people know, and I'm blessed and ecstatic and happy and honored and all that. Uh, my command performance and giant game uh, future uh, picks down the tubes. Uh, any any thought about giant game? I thought he was going to be a lot better after he had the little you know surgery with the displaced palate. Just didn't fire Dale Romans. I guess he's got to you know wait till races in Kentucky before his horses fire. Matt, I was surprised to be honest. Yeah, I'm, uh, well, the the Breeders' Cup performance was a bit of a stunner to me. I just didn't see it coming. And and then the Florida race, if you want to say that it was the displaced palate, that's fine. When Nick Tamaro and I were on the the late show last week, he I you know, I made a comment and Nick said, "Isn't it funny that that just immediately afterward the horse displaced?" I mean, it, it almost, you know, who knows. It is what it is. But then he came back and ran as poorly as he did. Um to me, I'm at a point now where he both he and command performance. And I loved him as a 2-year-old. Uh, but command performance just flat out has not really he hasn't done enough to earn the reputation that he has. He's he's a fine horse. Um, he was arguably a better two year old than he is right now. But the, the point point is that at this point in time, it, it doesn't really make any sense to talk about either of them as triple crown kind of horses because yeah. they're simply not good enough. 
Yeah, command performance. I have to say, it was hugely disappointing. I, I don't even. We don't need. We're not going to go on. Um, he still's got to break his mate. I think he's won like 250k though without breaking his mate yet, or some crazy number because he did so well last year finishing seconds in big races. Anyway, uh, we'll see if we have more questions. Let's get on to Oakland, Matt, because we got a great card on Saturday. There's two Grade Threes going out of Oakland. We're going to chop up the late pick five. I'm going to do things a little bit differently in terms of what you see on the bottom, ladies and gentlemen. Usually you see a banner at the bottom for those of you watching here on YouTube, but I'm going to soon do a scroll instead. So you see a scroll on the bottom. Uh, Matt, uh, it, it, there's a blank there, but he'll give us his picks as we go along. Everyone can see all of my picks for all five races at one time. I sort of like the scroll idea a little bit better, but comment down below the video player if you like prefer a scroll or if you want me to just put banners up, uh, because uh, I, I want to hear what you guys have to say. Let's go to the PPs here. We're going to bring them up, Matt. We're going to rock and roll here. And I'm going to go full screen for some of this. The first race, where this is the late pick five on Saturday at Oaklawn Park. Uh, first race of the sequence, Matt, starts about 4.33 Eastern Standard Time. There are some big fields, as usual, at Oaklawn. They're going a mile on dirt. Uh, Three-year-olds, great purse, 90,000. You're going to have a big favorite, probably smaller than two to one on the inside, Masai Warrior for Brad Cox and Drew. Yeah, uh, look, I'm, I'm going to throw out Masai Warrior. I'm also going to throw out uh, General Strike in here. And maybe it's a, a foolish move. But again, I'm kind of of the opinion, I, I like to play smaller tickets. I don't like to spread too deep. I don't want to be spending $250, $300 at a time on a pick five that could end up being chalky or this, that, or the other. Um, if you really wanted to go full-blown ABCs, you could certainly go ahead and use those horses. I'm just more intrigued by three other ones, but one in particular, uh, that being the eight, Battle Call. Uh, I think I think Battle Call is really interesting in here. Uh, first off, the claim for Hollendorfer. Never easy to claim off of somebody like Brad Cox and move the horse up. But I thought all things considered, it was a really good effort. Thought he ran a winning race in the career debut, going long. He was wide throughout, moved to the lead. And that other horse, Blue Norther, just blew the doors off him. Uh, now Hollendorfer takes the blinkers off. They move from a maiden claiming event to a protected event here. And you've got a 59 flat bullet drill in your back pocket going five-eighths there on March 9th. So uh, battle call would be if I was going with an ABC sort of play. Uh, he would be a lone A for me in here. Wow. Well, if you see my picks on the bottom or the bottom as they scroll, I, I completely – I'm going to put us back on screen a little bit here. I, I'm going to say something that might be a bit contradictory. Um, I totally agree with Matt. I'm going to try to beat Masai Warrior, but I still have to use him as an A only because he just he, he just seems better than the rest of them. But there's a few things I don't like, Matt. I don't like the rail when there's a lot of other speed in the race. Number two, I mean, he regressed last time. I don't see, like, great moves forward from this horse. He did work very well last time. Maybe his day is going to be on Saturday. But this is the kind of horse I think – a lot of people, uh, you know, that want to try to make some money at least or get value or and try to beat. So although I don't have him on top, I'm going to try to beat him. I don't know if that – I sound like an amateur handicapper, man. I, I don't know, but that's how I feel. By the way, I do have eight second. I don't know if you saw in the scroll. I agree with everything you said about Battle Call, Hronis Racing, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to let you talk about the others. I do have the four plausible dial in third for DeVito, who's very underrated and was pretty wide in a good field last time. Um, how do you feel about the four or some other sneaky horses you're trying to beat here with the one? Yeah, I, I had plausible denial in third. I thought it was a fine effort. Nice gallop out in that career debut. You would think moves forward, second off the bench, 
uh, stretching out in distance for DeVito. Uh, the horse that I went with in second is just to his inside, the three kingmaker for Ron Moquette. I, I thought it was a, I thought it was all things considered a pretty good debut. Blew the start. I, I thought he started warming up, rounding that far turn while he was wide, finished well. All things considered, solid debut. Try to stretch out here, second out of the box. The fig, if you depending on what figs you look at, maybe not on the buyer scale, but from a time form standpoint, uh, you could make a case that that horse ran the fastest race out of any of these horses to date so far in his yeah. career debut. So I could see Kingmaker taking a, a step forward here. The runner-up came back, broke his maiden with an 83 buyer in that next start. So I think the form is holding up relatively well, and I, I could see this one, you know, again, knowing that you've got some other horses that are going to take some money, I could see Kingmaker at least being a factor in this thing at a very square price. I'm going to push back a little bit, Matt, because because uh, <laughs> I love you, and also because I want to give people at home, uh, you know, my opinions. So I'm a little concerned about the, the you know, the damn this hey, hey kitty 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 great name was a sprinter, Matt. I'm I'm, I'm assuming the horse could probably stretch out. I'm a little concerned that he might be meant for sprinting, and the other one is he galloped out well, but. The race sort of fell apart. They went very quick, 21 and four. It wasn't a, you know, 71 buyer is perfectly fine. Um, I don't know. I think he's going to take more money than he should. He can absolutely win. I've got him in the mix, Matt. I just think he's going to be, you know, nine to two and maybe isn't better than, you know, some of the others we've talked about. But I agree. He's definitely uh, interesting. Anyone else you want to talk about? You talked about general strike. I mean, he didn't face great fields last year. Um, I mean, chasing time's a nice horse, but I don't know. He's got he's gelded. That's not a move that Asperson usually would do with a three-year-old Matt. I found that a little bit I don't know disturbing, but off-putting would be the word that I would say. I mean, you don't see that very often from him. It is Winchell and Rosario. I don't know. He just doesn't. Uh, I, I don't. He has been working like fantastically. Anything else I didn't cover that you don't like about this horse? No, I mean, feel very similar about the seven as I do about the one as I do about the five. Um, they've run three to four times. They haven't gotten appreciably faster in any of the races. Uh, the connections are changing some things up. Cox is going from the fairgrounds to Oaklawn. Uh, Diodoro's gelded their horse. You know, first time Lasik's in a gelding process for general strike. I mean, uh, to me, and it's as simple as if I'm wrong, great. I come back and play the pick four. Um I just I have no interest in using these horses at short prices. Uh, someone comment, I made a mistake, guys. Matt is not five seven three in this race. That was from my show last time. Now it's blank, so I apologize. Someone has mentioned you didn't do anything wrong, Matt. That was my f up there. Um, Matt, just your lat your your top three before we move on to the next race again. Uh, eight three four. All right, Matt is going. Let's bring this on the screen. Matt is going eight three four here, ladies and gentlemen, in race six. Let's go to the second leg, Matt. Race seven. This is one of two uh, grade threes. I'll go full screen here. This is the Whitmore. What a fun horse, by the way, that was. A nice gelding for Ron Moquette. Won the Breeders' Cup uh, sprint. Won a lot of races. Ran for a long time. They're naming a race after him. Well-deserved. Six furlongs for the boys. 200,000. Matt, who do you like in the Whitmore? Uh, well, first things first. I don't know that I love some of the shorter prices in here. Uh, Hollis does nothing for me on the outside. I think he's a fine horse, but when they've tested him, he's come up wanting. Not that this is the greatest group, but genuinely, whenever he's really been tested, he just hasn't passed it. So for me, at a short price, he's one that I'd be fading. I'm also kind of against Greeley and Ben in here for Broberg. 
Uh, he's another one. I feel like they have done a very good job managing him, putting him in appropriate placements. Uh, this to me seems like a little bit of a tough spot, even with the second and third place finishers in the most recent run winning next out with buyers of 86 and 83. The two that I was really interested in, one of them is very logical. That's Bob's edge. Uh, I have picked him second in here for Larry Jones. I thought that King Cotton was really good. I, I loved the way that he moved. Uh, I just thought all around it was really impressive. The second place finisher home base came back and won next out with a 93. The fifth place finisher was Hollis, who we saw he came back and he earned that pretty nice speed figure. Um, but the horse that I really am most interested in is the seven uh, two lane Trist. And I think it's just a, a matter of you need to you need to put your faith in what your eye is telling you. On paper, he's not as fast as some of these other horses. Um, but this has been a horse that's always kind of, I don't want to say had an air of, of class to him, but I, I you watch him run. He does everything professionally. He's able to overcome some, let's say, less advantageous situations. And when things go his way, he fires a big shot. I thought that return at the fairgrounds last out was really solid. I know they lined up in front of him. Uh, there was three horses that just dueled on the front. He bided his time, took over when it, he was asked and drew off and won for fun. I just, I think he's a horse that, again, if you're somebody that just looks at the paper, you're going to look at it and go, when he's been tested, he's not good enough and he's not fast enough. But I think you're looking at a horse that we haven't really scratched the the potential for him just yet. I think I think he could be a pretty pretty good racehorse. Oh, sorry, I didn't want to go into that. I want <laughs> everyone to know at home, and Matt, you can confirm this. We did not talk about your picks at all before you just came on tonight, correct? <laughs> no, but I mean, I don't know. If I, that's I, a good no thing or, I don't. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Why do you like this Bro. horse as well? Because I may be hurting well, you. So at the bottom of the screen, you can see the scroll here. It's coming. You can see race seven here. You can see my picks. There it is, Matt. You can see on the bottom of the screen, the eight, seven, race two. seven, seven, two, yeah. nine. I mean, you know, part of the reason those of you watching at home and listening later on, why I've had some success in live money tournaments is because a horse is like Tulane Trist. And I've learned from not only my own past handicapping, but great handicappers like Matt and other people. This horse is slow on paper. I mean, the best he's run is a 91. But, ladies and gentlemen, you got to look for upside. It's like the stock market. Who is going to run the best race on Saturday? I don't know if it's Tulane, Trist, but I agree with everything that Matt said. The source is improving. Uh, he's going to be you know, closing into a, what looks like a fast pace. He worked a bullet. He's the now horse. I still think you're going to get a price. I mean, everything about this horse, you know, the, the two can win. I'm not going to show the replay. He ran very well last time. He did get the jump on some others. I will say that, but he ran about as well as a horse could run last time. Maybe the two is just a brand new horse. We don't need to talk any longer. You can see my picks on the bottom. I agree 100% with Matt. I'm going 7-2. I put Hollis in third because I do like outside speed, uh, and I, I know that's something you like also. Um, but I'm concerned about the distance with Hollis. I mean, his best races look like they're probably five and a half. You see those two big numbers, folks, the last one and, and three back where he won by four, 109 and 97 buyers. I was going five and a half, and there is some legit other speed in this race, so I'm not sure the distance will suit. I hate the price on Hollis. We're both going 7-2. Anyone else, Matt, you want to talk about before we move on? No, no. I mean, it, it's 7-2 cold for me in this spot. I shouldn't say cold, but I mean, I, I like two-lane Trist quite a bit. As far as whoever finishes third, I mean, it, it, I won't be playing a trifecta anyway, so I, I, I can't help you there. All right. <laughs> I love it. Let's go on to race eight. Uh, this is another main special weight, and what I found strange about these big field main special weights on Saturday, Matt, is 
they're going to be two pretty big favorites. The Maasai Warrior, I'm convinced, is going to be a big favorite, whether he wins or not. I don't know. There's another horse that's going to be a big favorite, in my opinion, Life on the Nile, who uh, has buyers that are improving. But again, I think this horse is more likely than Maasai Warrior, but I'm still not convinced about this horse. How much do you like this morning line favorite? Not a ton, if I'm being honest. I mean, he was 10 to 1 in that most recent start. Um, all the figs jumped up in that race for all the horses. If you could pull up the chart, if you don't mind. Yep, you can go through and take a look. The difference between their start prior and this most recent run, they all jumped up 11 to 18 points with the exception of that one horse, quick to blame, who only jumped up two. But my point is, they all substantially moved forward. There's a part of me that doesn't believe that. And... I also just don't know he needs that race in order to really be deserving of two to one. You take that race out of it. Yeah. He's, I don't know. He's just kind of common. He fits in here, but he's not a standout by any stretch. So um, life on the Nile, this is a race, Howard, that you're probably going to need to do much more of the lifting than I, because there's only one horse that I really found interesting in here. Um, you know, I, I thought about the four El Gamar for a minute. Um, but he just, I thought he was more passing tired horses than anything. The horse that I landed on was major contender, the seven for Cox and Ricardo Santana going to be a short price stretching out in distance. They're changing, uh, the equipment, taking the blinkers off for the first time. Uh, the family on the damn side is all dirt routers for the most part. I thought he broke really sharp. He was a little bit keen early on in that run at the fairgrounds most recently. And he was just kind of flat when they really started running. By no means is it a, a brilliant sort of performance, but I just, I don't know. I mean, I, I couldn't really, he was the only one that was mildly intriguing to me. I hope Santana's aggressive. I hope they go to the front with him or at least prompt the pace because I, I, I just think it's a, a group that's kind of hungry. Yeah, I just want to show the breeding here uh, because I think this horse is meant to go long. Uh, Pussyfoot only ran once, but uh, the, the baby is out of Pussyfoot. See, Guide Missile was a, uh, although in the sort of Midwest at, you know, Prairie Meadows and, and Will Rogers Downs was a two-turn horse and a nice horse. Right and Just was very well meant last year um, in certain races in the Triple Crown. So you'd have to think this horse wants to stretch out blinkers off. Matt, you and I, <laughs> I wish we could, you know, have like totally crazy different opinions. As of this point, we don't. I don't know, again, if you can see on the screen. I do have the five on top, but again, that's probably stinking thinking, to be honest, for every reason you mentioned I really tried to find, I'll put us back on screen a little bit here. I tried so hard, Matt. I must have handicapped this race for half an hour. I watched like eight <laughs> different replays. I so desperately wanted to find, you know, another, you know, sort of cute horse to use here. I, I couldn't find one. And I'm not even sure Major Contender is the one. I mean, 62, 63, I, I, I get, you have to assume the blinker's off and the connections are going to help improve this horse. But I mean, what is this horse really done on the track? That gives you a lot of confidence. I mean, but there's just a lot of the replays I watched, ladies and gentlemen, of horses that I just weren't interested. Although I will say one horse that I am interested a little bit, Matt. This is a, just a crazy thought. The one, Young Turk. And the only reason why I want to consider the one, Matt, is because this horse has not raced since last year in May. So this is one of the early two-year-old races at Churchill. I know, he only got a 39. It was in a restricted main race as he was only you know sold for thirty five thousand at the OBS March sale. I mean we have no idea what this horse can be, right? I mean Maker could run this horse in a zillion other spots as I put us back on screen Matt. I just like the fact that Maker said, you know what, I'm gonna run at a very tough circuit at Oakland 
for 90000 We could have run him in a maiden claim. We could have run him in a million places. Again, I have no idea if this horse can run. But listen, he can improve a lot uh, from his first start. He's also bred to go longer. That's my crazy idea in this race. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know that I think it's crazy. Um, when you think about it, to your point, he was an early two-year-old when they ran him. Yeah. And for him to earn a 39, really, when you compare that to what these other horses have run as three-year-olds, with the exception of that 79 from Life on the Nile, which, again, I don't know that I'm totally sold on. I mean, it's not like he's impossible in here. You would think, if you like a horse like Young Turk, I think you're you're intrigued by the unknown, the fact that yeah. he is unexposed, where some of these other horses, uh, you know, we've seen them a, a few times, and they just really haven't done anything impressive. They're going to need to take a big step forward. I guess the only thing I'd throw out possibly about Fast Lane would be this would be the second time out in the afternoon with the Blinkers which I yeah. think can be just as effective, if not more so than first time with the blinkers. Um, but again, you're kind of reaching there and I don't need to find out at, you know, nine to two or five to one, he's six to one on the line. It's just a race that if it wasn't part of a pick, I, I, I wouldn't touch it with a 10 foot pole if I'm being honest. Yeah, I, I agree. I just, uh, I'm going to try to beat the five or the five can win. I don't know. I feel very similar about this race as I do as the first leg. So ladies and gentlemen, go for it. Find a horse you like, and try to beat these these favorites here. Let's go on to the next race, Matt. This is the other grade three. This is the Essex Handicap, mile 16th for the older boys, half a million. Um, you know what I found fascinating about this race? I believe uh, the youngest horse in this race is six. So this is sort of the, uh, the old fogey kind of, you know, I don't know, uh, grade three. I mean, these are nice horses, don't get me wrong, but it's sort of shocking for me in a two-turn nice grade three race for half a million, Matt, that we see no four-year-olds and no five-year-olds in this race. I don't know if you noticed that or not. I found that sort of bizarre and interesting. Uh, who do you like here in the Essex? I th I think first to touch on that, I think a lot of it has to do with just its placement on the calendar where you've got the Saudi cup and you've got the Dubai world cup. And just a couple months ago, you had the Pegasus. I mean, the, the four and five-year-olds, the good ones anyway, are targeting those races. That's why, unfortunately, a race like the Essex kind of falls through the cracks. Um, I I don't have a great deal positive to say about this race. Um, it's I, I went through the horses that I ended up landing on uh, are both what I would deem hangers. Uh, the seven, Bo Luminary, and the eight, Hanalei's Houdini. Neither of them really are intent on winning, but... I just didn't want anybody out of the local races. I didn't think either of them were particularly good. And I know Bo Luminary comes out of that run in the tinsel back at the end of December. I mean more so the idea of the Razorback um, and the other race there that one of the other horses came out of. Yeah. Which one was can we, it? Can we show that race real quick, Matt, if you don't mind? Not the sure, race. fire away. There are a lot of horses. There. So, folks, there's four of the top five are coming out of, are in this race in the Essex that ran. We're not going to show the whole race. But what I will, what what we will talk about, I'm sure, and Matt talks about this uh, a lot about race flow on his show, is they basically went one two around the track. Not basically, they did go one two around the track. Uh, you're gonna see uh, Plainsman up here. Uh, you got Radar Superstar. You got a lot of horses. This is Plainsman on the outside. Who, by the way, Matt, I think is a nice horse. Probably a little bit underrated, frankly. I liked him in the Cigar Mile that day and had a rough trip and stretch. That's a whole other conversation, if you recall that race. But, I mean, he just takes over here. Uh, the, you know, the six, you know, fights pretty hard. The one is in this race. Also, that's Thomas Shelby, I believe, right, Matt? But I mean, Thomas Shelby's a... actually down on the inside. Oh, I'm sorry. Thomas Shelby's here getting a – oh, sorry, right here. I'm sorry. 
the the one is in this race also. I shouldn't I shouldn't have switched so quickly. The one got a perfect trip. I'll go back to the chart. Uh, Plainsman just takes over. Thomas Shelby fights. There's just no movement from the back of the pack, Matt. No, it, it's just one of those races that you either love the top two or three, or you want to fade almost all of them. I guess of the group, you know, to your point, Plainsman's actually a pretty decent horse. I don't want to make it sound like I think he's a bum, uh, but I, I just. He's the kind of horse that's interesting at 10 or 12 to one in a tougher race. He's not that interesting to me as the, you know, the eight to five favorite. The same goes for Warriors Charge. Warriors Charge to me at this level. And again, I'm not saying much about this level. I think he's a need the lead type. And I'm sure some folks would look at that last run and say he rallied from five off of it. What do you mean he's a need the lead type? There was a runoff pace setter that day who stopped yeah. cold with, you know, with a quarter of a mile to go. And this horse just took over. Somebody had to inherit the lead. Um, I just, I don't trust him at all at a short price. And again, he will be bet, I think, shorter than that seven to two. He's probably going to be vying for favoritism. So if it's not those two, and I don't like any of the other ones that led me to the outside, Bo Luminary, I guess, of the two is probably slightly more likely than the outside runner, the eight, Hanalize Houdini. Um, Bo Luminary is the kind of horse that, for whatever reason, just hasn't had great pace setups, really, for the better part of a year now. Uh, has run into a number of slowly paced races and still comes with a run. The problem is, even in the wins, I mean, we're not talking about decisive wins. We're talking about three quarters of a length, a head, a neck. I mean, just barely likes to get up there. In some of these instances, it looks like probably should have gone on by and never did. Um, and the same goes for Hanalise Houdini. I mean, that Jennings from Laurel most recently, th the form is fantastic. Cordmaker came back and won next out. I believe it was the General George with a 98. Take a look the at third, right here, yeah. third place finisher came back and won next out with a 102. I mean, yeah. you, you know, you've got solid form in there. And this horse stumbled badly out, out of the gate, still came with a run. But I wrote in my notes, he hung. He got right up to Cord Maker and just never went by. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's such a hard call because to me, this is another race where I either use many of them or I hone in on these two who I'm acknowledging have flaws. And it, it's just it creates a really difficult position in a multi-race sequence like this because you're either, you know, up in your budget considerably or you're narrowing it considerably, but you're doing so with two horses that I don't trust, you know, very much, honestly. Yeah, where did that 98 buyer come from? I mean, now he's a brand new horse. I mean, I don't know. I mean, he's Maryland bred. I, I feel, again... And by the way, when Matt talks about Bo Luminaire, who I have third, Matt, I think he's the one horse that I'm very interested in here. Um, as Matt mentioned, again, if you're not familiar with the blue and red-coated numbers, Matt mentioned the slow paces. When you see those blue-coated numbers here in the PPs, Bo Luminaire has not gotten paces to run into. Uh, and if he gets, and he's a, more of a closer. So you would think if they go hot heavy up front, Bo Luminaire would, might be the one to benefit um, you might get eight to one. Uh, I was off a little bit of a layoff for Rudy Brissett. I'm not really too concerned about that, frankly. I was the, by the way, the horse that we saw on screen, Matt, I apologize. The one who tipped out on the outside in the replay was popular kid who the five on Saturday who could not have gotten a better trip. So I'm completely, completely against popular kid in this spot based on the last replay, <clears throat> because if he couldn't win last time, how is he going to win this time? I chalked out with Plainsman and 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 uh, Warriors Charge. I have Plainsman on top. I know he's the favorite. This is just, uh, I hate myself for even doing it, Matt. But to be honest, I mean, he's the most consistent. 
He doesn't need the lead. He's in great form. He's second off the layoff. I mean, I, I can't think of any reasons not to take him other than I just don't want to take a short price. And to me, that's a little bit of stinking thinking. I mean, I want to hit this pick five. I've got a, a podcast pool that I've started, Matt, where uh, people are investing in some of my plays. We're having a lot of fun with it. I want to hit for the people. I want to hit for myself. I'm going to try to find some other races, ones we've mentioned already, these main races, try to beat the chalks. Other than Bolum and Air, I don't know. It just seems like this could be chalky. Um, Warriors Charge, you already talked about. By the way, Marshall Rams, listen, he doesn't like the fact. <laughs> I, I think I think he's gonna you're gonna get we're gonna get a call from Marshall Graham. By the way, great guy if you don't know Marshall Graham uh, with Ten Strike Racing. I know you know him as well. Uh, but even he has told me you know privately that this horse has got his little quirks and doesn't like to pass sometimes. And Matt was exactly right, ladies and gentlemen. He won last time, but that was a bad field, by the way. I just want to show that field before we talk about the last race. I shouldn't say bad. I was going to say, I, w- I wouldn't go that he's far. He's not, not real good. I mean, compared to the others, here are the buyers. You, you folks, you can see for yourself. I mean, the horses that he beat are basically running the you know low mid-80s. I mean, these, this, it's not a great field. This is a much better field. Um, so, I don't know. Any other thoughts before we move on? It's tricky, Matt. Uh, the favorites look logical. But, again, it's hard to find a price other than maybe the seven. Well, no, and I mean, it, it goes into, you know, philosophy and constructing tickets. Again, if, if you're going through and you're playing ABCs and you're pressing up opinions, I mean, Plainsman makes all the sense in the world. You're going to just press him up relatively hard to make sure that you end up getting some sort of a return, especially if the entire sequence ends up being chalky. For me, if I only want to put in sort of a small ticket, I, I don't know, I'm going to say 40 bucks. Let's say I want to take a flyer. I don't, I'm not looking to take 40 and turn it into 80 or 100. I, I want to try to take 40 and turn it into 400 or 4,000. And the only way I think you can do that in a race like this is to try to toss some of the logical horses the same way we talked about those maiden races. And I'm sure a lot of people would question why you would willingly go in to a play knowing that it doesn't have a likely chance of hitting. But that's that's exactly what the whole idea of probability and and making sure the odds are making up for that sort of situation are i mean i talk about it all the time with overlays and sports betting you know I, i've got a couple of hockey bets tonight one of them is like a 31 percent probability but i'm being rewarded considerably more than that and, and that's all you're trying to do you're just trying to make sure that you get your money in right and to me if i don't know that i love some of the chalks all right yeah maybe i'll lose 40 or 50 bucks but i know if i for whatever reason i'm right may only happen once in a blue moon but if i am i'm, I'm gonna get paid in a pretty big way yeah, I, uh, I'm just looking. I'm trying to get a an Indiana a score here. <laughs> do, do you have just? Uh, I know yeah, they're getting, yeah, they're getting. Yeah, they're getting their doors brain, blown off. Is this a major host fail, as PTF would say, or am no, I allowed no, to do this? On no, the first night of the NCAA tournament here. <laughs> they're getting the doors blown off. It's uh, fifty to thirty-one St. Mary's. Wow. Okay, my my instinct was right. I do have a bet on St. Mary's too, just minus three without the parlay. So U- UK um, is in a battle with St. Peter's. 58-58. Wow. How much time? Uh, I, I mean, we're okay, seven, I'll tell you, seven and change. There we go. Yeah, I see it right now. Gonzaga was in a battle until about the 13 minute mark. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, it was un- unfortunate for uh, Georgia State <laughs> that they had one of their kids get hurt and then they oh. had everybody else in foul trouble. Okay. And it was just a matter. They basically just more of attrition wore them down. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I, I was busy getting ready for a bunch of stuff and uh, took a little cat nap because <laughs> I had a long day at work. Anyway. All right. Let's talk about the last race, Matt. Again, thanks for joining us tonight. We all really appreciate 
you come and I think was this your third is this your third time on the show um, I believe it's number three I yeah believe. that sounds about right which would match my times I've been on your show I think because I was I haven't had a guest on mine in a while no you haven't but I think I was the, I was the first time three time guest and uh yes uh, maybe maybe if you bring that format back I'd love to be on again of course totally but, uh, We'll we'll see what happens with the way you uh, you know the formatting. All right, let's go in, let's get in the last race, Matt. I'll take us off the screen. Uh, allowance race a mile. How about one hundred six thousand? <laughs> one hundred six thousand, nice. incredible. N one X at Oakland. Congratulations to them for their purses. Outstanding. Uh, these are for the girls, three olds and up. There's gonna be another, I think, pretty heavy favorite in this race in the seven. Pharaoh's heart for Asperson and Rosario and Little Red Feather. Uh, only five to two morning line. I gotta believe this horse will be much lower than that come post time, Matt. Yeah, given the figs that she's got to her name, I mean, she just. If you're someone playing just the numbers, she makes all the sense in the world to the point where she should probably be seven to five in this spot as opposed to five to two. I don't know. I just look at her and I think she's. I don't know. I I, I just I get bad vibes out of her. Bad juju. She could win really? this race at a short. Yeah, I I just. Okay. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't see it. I just, I, I think she's fine and just fine. I, I think she's a, a vulnerable type to me at a really, really short number. And mm. again, to your point, we just talked about it. I think she's a fraction of that morning line, which is what makes this appealing to me because I really like the horse drawn just to her outside the other Asmussen in here, Sundial. Hmm. Um, I think Sundial is a, one of those horses that, yeah, that most recent run doesn't look very good. Keep in mind that was in, june of last year she's been gone for a long long time clearly something went wrong for them to stop on her entirely the run two back when she broke her maiden i thought she moved beautifully i thought it was a really really good effort she just basically stalked beautifully took over drew off one for fun the third place finisher came back and earned a 75 in the next start kind of solidifying that that was a quality race in the grand scheme of things all the figs seemed to jive um there's this one's actually got a pretty decent pedigree as well uh, on the damn side She's a half to Time in Motion, who was a grade one turf winner. And there is yeah. also some other quality in here as well. It's not like this is a family that, that didn't produce anything. Um, you can see on you the know, screen there, Moment in Dixie. Sorry to interrupt you. I'm just, if you want to, awesome. That was a nice horse. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the Live Your Beast Life, who I believe finished, what, second or third in the Jim Dandy, something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, so th- there's there's some quality in this pedigree and if you look at that run and say okay she broke her maiden at oaklawn going a mile on a 16th earned a 74 as an early three-year-old is it plausible maybe not likely but is it plausible that she jumps up into a high 80 sort of range from a buyer standpoint i think that's totally within reason and if a high 80 at least puts her in let's say in with a puncher's chance especially when you look at pharaoh's heart who's going to be a fraction of the price I don't know. I mean, I would much rather take Sundial, who I think has more tactical speed and I think has more upside than Pharaoh's heart does. So for me, it's a pretty heavy push to the eight in here, uh, acknowledging that the most likely winner of the race is the seven, Pharaoh's heart. I don't love her by any stretch of the imagination. And then Ursulina on the outside, the 11. That would be my third choice in here. Okay, Ursulina is nine to two for uh, D. Wayne, who might appreciate the uh, stretch out. Uh, by more than ready out of a Harlan's holiday uh, mare. Uh, Matt, again, you and I are either going to be very right or very wrong on Saturday because I'm just, I, I have to say it again. I don't mean to fanboy, but it makes me feel really good inside <laughs> to know. I really does, honestly, to know that we're thinking similarly because uh, you, you've definitely rubbed off on me and so have a lot of others. Uh, this is the one I'm interested in the most. I, I do, I will say, out of honesty and fairness, 
Pharaoh's Heart is my lone A and is my only lone A as of now in the sequence. Although he might change my mind a little bit, but I, I just think of all the races in the sequence, this one seems the most logical and the one I can trust the most, especially based off the fact that she's already gone two turns in California and ran in the 90s. I see no reason why she can't get back to a high 80s, low 90s. And there were a lot of horses that aren't even close to that. But the one that I'm interested in, and I have it written down as my only B is Sundial, all the reasons you said. Uh, the whole jockey gym, uh, the whole jockey musical chairs, uh, am I reading too much into that, Matt? I mean, should Rosario be on the eight for us to be more interested? Or actually, do you like Vasquez on the eight? Because that'll give you a better price. Yeah, I mean, I mean personally, you know, Pete and I have talked about it in the past on the uh, the late week show for the Players Pod that, I, you know, doesn't really mean a great deal to me. Maybe if we're, you know, derby time and you, you've got riders selecting one horse over another, maybe I read a little bit more into it. But um, kind of on the day-to-day -day business side of things, you know, who knows how long certain folks have been committed to certain rides and all that sort of stuff. doesn't yeah. really get me too bent out of shape. Um, the one thing I would ask you real quick, because I didn't take a look, uh, yeah. Can you look at dialed in's turf numbers as a stallion? Off the top of my head, I don't think they're particularly good, which dialed would make sense. Turf numbers, turf numbers. You said right? Yeah, yeah. Turf. Because I yeah. mean, this is a this is a very good turf family on the bottom. So I'm it curious is. why she's uh, not been on the grass yet. Okay, this is acting very unusually slow, and I have absolutely no idea why. Hang on, um, I might be able to to swing it over here. I won't be able to show live, it off. This but. is the beauty of live. What do you say on your show when you're looking at the screen and you give oh, everybody everybody loves to hear you know when you're yeah. listening to a podcast you want to hear somebody yeah. stalling looking for things there it is I mean uh, it's uh, not bad Goddard's one point one point six million must be some nice you know ten percent roughly with turf turf yeah, routers sorry, I mean, did I go, let me go back no 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 I mean it's fine I I can I got it on mine as well okay yeah I, I was gonna. Uh, Oh, you want the percent? I thought you wanted the, the person. Yeah, no, just more uh, a matter of, I, yeah, I find it. 13%, 13%, 10 I was just trying to see who the horses were that were that ran on the turf out of this horse. I can't think off the top of my head. But anyway, go ahead as we digress. Yeah, no, just more a matter of, oh, well, uh, you know, I think it's always curious when you have. for O'Neill, uh, yep. won a decent amount of the turf. Uh, anyway, that's okay. We don't take the, uh, let's see. Oh, oh, Muggeritz, a horse, you know, for Jonathan Wong. Or that's a horse we know and kept from California. Um, yeah, I mean, a little bit. Nothing spectacular. Yeah, I, I, I'm always curious when you've got such a good grass family, why she's yeah. yet to try it. Um, I, I would venture a guess that if for whatever reason yeah. she doesn't run well here or going forward, they at least find out at some point, maybe when you get to Churchill Downs. Well, she was, I took the Pete, she was on the sit in the first two starts, though. So they were thinking maybe somewhere, I, maybe they just got a little, I'm der, not, der, not Derby Fierce, it's your three-year-old filly. Oh, I don't know. Good question. It'll be interesting to see. Well, keep, uh, keep in mind, too, keep in mind, too, you know, those first two races at Turfway, all well and good. You just look at the purses. I mean, it's three times what the Turfway ones are at Oaklawn. You get, you at least find out. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and she took to it. She ran well, you know, well enough. She broke her maiden on it, so. Absolutely. Uh Matt, I I don't know if you have one minute. I'm gonna show my pick five, yeah. and you can you can criticize it. How's that? <laughs> I won't a, criticize. Or, uh, it's critique. How's that? Is that a better word? Sure. Let, let's critique. Here's my. I know how you feel on the end here because you don't want a single Pharaoh's heart. I totally get it. I mean, no problem there. Um, I my, there's my and I'm real cheap. I I want to go cheap tonight. Um, I have Bolumin Air there. You see in the second to last leg, the seven. So I've got that horse. I've got 
five I have the five in the third leg that I'm trying to beat. But was it is that the major general? I think it was the seven yep. in the third leg. I think the first race, again, I'm using the one everyone, Maasai Warrior. I'm trying to beat this horse. With a lot of horses that Matt is using. Actually, we have somewhat similar opinions. Just real quick as as we end the show here, Matt, I'm gonna leave you on to end the show if that's okay as yep. we close out. Uh, how would you construct this ticket? Because there are a lot of, you know, obvious lower price horses. I know you're going to try to beat. Is there a horse you would lean on, whether the horse would be a middling price or a low price in the sequence for those people that have a lower budget that want to play this pick five? Yeah. So, you know, when I was bringing up the idea of if you are going to play the ABC kind of method, even with a shorter ticket or a smaller ticket with, with fewer options, I'll still probably press up opinions Knowing that, let's say I budget $50 for the play. I, I may only have a total of, I'm making it up, 15 horses, probably less than that, 12 horses for the entire sequence. But I'm going to really hammer home the opinions that I like, knowing that if I'm right, I want to just make sure that I get the most bang for my buck. So in that first leg, I would really press up Battle Call, the eight horse. I'll also use the three and the four in there as sort of backups, but I'd really press up the eight. Uh, in the seventh race, I'd press up Tulane Trist, acknowledging that Bob's edge. And and again, you have to, you got to differentiate most likely with sort of optimizing your dollar. Because I do think Bob's edge is a likelier winner than Tulane Trist. Having said that, I think Tulane Trist is going to offer more value than Bob's edge. And I think there's more upside there. To your point, you brought up the idea of potential with that horse. So I'd probably press that one up as well. Um, you know, I... The problem is you get a race like race eight where I go, I, I I don't really like any of them, if I'm being honest. The seven major contender would be the one that I would use. But beyond that, I'm either going really deep or I'm going to just stand on him and say, look, if he wins, great, I'm alive. If not, I didn't waste too much money. Um, I hate getting into sequences or instances where I feel like I'm just throwing money out there just to throw it out there to try to be alive. Um, if it's just, it's a really tough spot. If I wasn't so indecisive in race nine, the Essex, maybe I would be more inclined to say I'll spread deep in that maiden special in race eight. But because I think that ninth race is kind of a stinker as well. And I like a couple of horses that I don't trust much. I'm going to really keep it narrow. So I'd only go with the eight horse. And that's that eighth race. uh, Or it was the eighth, eight horse, no seven horse in the eighth race. Yeah. And then in the ninth, I would go with those two outside runners, Bo Luminaire, as well as Hanalize Houdini, knowing that, you know what, they could probably get close. They're probably better, if we're being honest, underneath in exactas and tries and supers, because that's what they like to do. They like to run underneath. Uh, and then if, we, if we're alive in that last leg, you know, I would I'd press up Sundial. But I also want to make it clear, you say that Pharaoh's heart is your only A. If you're playing just on the paper, I mean, she is borderline a standout purely on numbers because I mean, look, no, no one in here has proven that they can run anything close to a low to mid 90 and she's done it two or three times. So um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue with anyone that likes Pharaoh's heart. I just, for whatever reason, and I get some of these horses sometimes, I just don't totally trust her at a really short price. Uh, and I, and I think Sundial genuinely has a big chance. Yeah, I agree. And everyone knows that I play ABCs everyone. So at my podcast plays an ABC so I'll be pressing up with opinions and try to beat uh, some of these favorites. Matt, as we end the show, any final thoughts? Any Anything going on in the NCAA you want to keep people live up to date on or anything going on in your world going forward here coming up as the uh, derby preps are uh, about to come to a close here in the next few weeks? 
I mean, Connecticut's in trouble. Uh, there's 16 seconds left and they're down three. Um, Kentucky's only up six with a couple minutes to go. Um, you know, and it, look, the good news for you, you don't have to keep an eye on the Indiana game because that is free money at this point, my friend. Wow. That is, that is, you are, you're home and hosed at that point. You, you've already I, I, won the race. Maybe I should show on Twitter. I do have uh, 75 to, to, on the uh, on the uh, money line. Not the money line, sorry. Minus 370. And the parlay keeps me alive, too. I need Murray State and uh, Vermont now <laughs> going forward. Uh, Matt, listen, thanks, man. Really appreciate you being on the show. Everyone loves listening to you, uh, watching you. We'll see you, of course, on some of the network broadcasts here uh, going forward. Uh, you're not gonna be at the derby. Are you gonna be at the derby? Uh, uh, no, probably not. Okay, probably got, not. Got, got, got some personal stuff going on. Yes, that's. I apologize. I <laughs> forgot about that. Um, anyway, good reason why you won't be there. Um, appreciate being on the show. Look forward to having you on again, Matt. And uh, we'll we'll see you down the road, my friend. You got it, Howard. Anytime. Buddy. All right. This has been episode 120 of the HHH Racing Podcast. That guy over there. Oh, I gotta do the opposite. That guy <laughs> over there is right. Matt knows what I'm talking about. You're That's good. Matt Vernier. I'm Howard Kravitz. Thanks, everyone. Good luck Saturday at Oaklawn for a great day of racing in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And don't forget, really quick, next Wednesday, Chad Schexnader, we're going to chop up Louisiana Derby Day. And then, Matt, how about this? Live with two great friends of mine who are awesome. Maybe you'll get to meet them someday. From the U.K., uh, Davey Lane, Philip Edwards, we're going to be live talking about the Dubai World Cup race card so we can smash that card. Take care, everyone. Good luck with the NCAA picks. Have a great night.